0: From the Battleborne Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. Mike Nuga on the right way. Back to
1: McCabe. McCabe fakes the three. No look past to Moak underneath for the slab. Dunk. Bryce comes down the right side. Bryce all the way under, lays it up and in as he split the two seven-footers, the Twin Towers, and Bryce went right between them. McCabe down the right side. Jordan's fallaway jumper is good. Jordan McCabe with another huge shot.
0: It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour, Cofield and Company. A little more college basketball talk this hour. We're uh, hoping to catch up with uh, Brian Dutcher from San Diego State. Talk about what's going on with the Aztecs, and also the upcoming Mountain West Conference tournament. Part of a gigantic tournament weeks with women's and men's basketball on the ground here in Vegas, with uh, five bids up for grabs. That's pretty freaking cool. It's one of our favorite times of the year. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Cofield Adam Hill hanging out here at Battleborne Injury Lawyers in their uh, beautiful new studios. Let's do it.
0: Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five number
1: five. So UNLV basketball goes on the road last night, takes on arch rival Reno, beats them 62-54. Boy, Reno is in a really interesting position with its uh, athletics department because they still have a lot of good programs, but their two beacon programs. The football program, which has been dominant in the series against the Rebels, I mean, hopes, I guess, could be high with a fresh start, but they lost their coach, basically, Jay Norvell, over money. So that's not a good sign. Um, I don't think they're generating the kind of revenue or anywhere close to it that they were during Eric Musselman on the men's basketball side. Yesterday, they actually had a press conference. Uh, they'd gotten uh, one of the biggest gifts, if not the biggest gift, in uh, program history. They got $8 million, uh, $4 million from one set of donors, and then an $8 million gift, which, you know, for UNLV fans who want to laugh at funding shortfalls for Reno, I don't think it's that wise because no. I still believe that the schools are tied at the hip and I still don't understand why states that have schools or multiple school a school or multiple schools that are outside looking in on this giant cash windfall that's that's been going down in college football I don't understand how it's not a good even if it's just for votes for a couple of states to push with their politicians for some sort of hearing on this because I've never understood why. States like Iowa are in and Nevada's out because this is what it comes down to. Then it, then it's this arms race where you're, you're not fighting a fair fight and you have to get donations all over the place just to try to keep up with the Joneses. It's, I don't like it. And I know people are, you know, I'm sure right now people are kind of happy that Reno's getting punched in the face on, on multiple fronts, but it's nonsense and hell. I know the governor has a lot to do. Very big sports guy. Help get the stadium done down here. Be nice. If he stood up for both schools and like, even if it's just like just just as a pub stunt, just bring the conversation to the national scene. How many states, especially in the Mountain West Conference, would be on board where they're like, what the hell's going on here? All this college sports money? And this state's getting a cut of it? And I'm not it's nonsense. Yeah, I mean there's
2: there's a big difference in terms of appetite for spending on college sports. Like you mentioned a state like Iowa where you're born in Iowa, you die in Iowa, you never leave Iowa, and you have a passion for it, and you're kind of supporting any kind of money that would be diverted in that direction,
1: and which in a way is is pretty, what what I'm asking, I mean, the time that would have to be spent to fight this when there are real issues.
2: Yeah, and and, and it's so low on people's Radar because for the people, most people part, people don't have
1: an allegiance, yeah.
2: People like, are like they do there to, just moving to, in here to Reno and
1: UNLV, right? They're just moving here.
2: So many people are moving here. I mean, on a on a side note, was just driving the uh on a road that I haven't been on in a while the other day,
1: yeah.
2: And I was just like, it was when I was driving that uh, as I mentioned, the U-Haul truck the other day, which was a disaster. But yeah. I'm driving, I'm like, good lord, what more new things everywhere. It's crazy how many people are moving in, and a lot of them are like, wait. I'm coming in here and paying tax money to what? Like why now? I, I don't, I don't get that. So I think that we are in a very unique. I listen. I'm so in team essence, Nevada, team places Las Places that are
1: desirable to live might have a lot of fans who aren't as concerned about sports. Sure.
2: Yeah, I would think so. And again, what do we say about Reno all the time? Why do they care so much about the rivalry? Because it sucks there, and it's terrible, and it's awful. But they care because they're stuck there and it's and it's a miserable existence all they have is trying to beat a, a school from a city that's much better than they are like that's that's iowa too we're stuck in iowa this sucks but hey maybe we can pay a lot of money to a sports team and have something to cheer for yay kirk parents yay, yay. tj outselberger
1: number four Ari loves to get those national days and generally it's food but i would never seen this one before National No One Eats Alone Day, and Ari was asking, "Do you guys think eating alone is weird or sad?" Ari, why don't you answer the question?
3: Oh. Do you eat alone a lot? Yeah. And we're talking
1: but, about what eating alone out in public. I mean, who's, who's you know? Why would you would you be sad eating at, at home alone? I mean, what, I, so what, what were you what were you referencing? Yet? I was
3: referencing more, yeah, in public specifically, yeah, um, sitting down at a table by yourself and enjoying okay. So, solitude. what do you think? Is it? Is it Sad? No, not at all. I think the perception is it's sad and weird. Why would you do that? I've I've gotten that feedback. Even my mom was like, I, I forget what it was, just one day. I was like, Oh yeah, I just sat down and I'm like, Oh, that makes me sad that you were eating alone. um <laughs> So I don't. But I've heard that from other people too. That it's it's weird. Yeah. No gives people. me dirty looks necessarily, people, right? but
2: it's yeah, old people that say that. It, it is probably There's a very a very easy reason why. Oh boy, like there, there was a time. Where if you were eating alone, you were just sitting at the table looking at your food, eating. Right. That's not the now, case anymore. Now you've got your little. Computer. Nobody's doing
1: that. Yeah. Now you got your little computer, or you could have a big computer and be working.
2: That's what, like, I I, I work at restaurants and coffee shops every single day alone. Right. Because look I'm at that working sad big fella <laughs> with a computer and a phone and a tablet. Going, like I'm I'm doing all kinds of things. Like that's that's what you're there for. Another person there is a distraction
1: from what you're doing. I had, I had someone at a bar on the road where they came up and they're like, oh, you shouldn't be drinking alone. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. nobody's I'm like, I do this all the time. There's no, and such I have my thing. phone there and I'm whatever I'm doing. There's, I don't care. I might, I might talk to the bartender a little bit. Right. There's almost no such thing as ever is, being alone now. In a way, isn't there a security of course. about being able to sit by yourself and just eat or drink?
3: That's what I think is what people take it as like, whoa, that's that's kind of weird. Like. Why are they alone? No, I,
1: I, had, oh. I, had, I had I i referenced Insecure. breakfast I had the other day out and I had the time of my life. I was enjoying the food. The guys fell in the coffee. I'm sitting there, you know, prepping for the show, reading up stuff, this reading is, up on stuff. I'm like, <laughs> this
2: is Fine. only this is only somewhat related, but you know, we're talking about you know getting back into TV shows now. That's <laughs> the off season. I have zipped through the new season of Love Is Blind. Right. I'm like almost seven episodes in. Right. And the amount of and i know it's a it's a tv whatever okay. it's reality but the amount of like meals that they show and like conversations at a house where you're just sitting there talking to somebody and you're just it's so uncomfortable and like the the interaction between people i'm like why would you ever want to be around somebody right that's
1: nuts well you're i mean again that's reality tv there's there's a whole another study beyond or a whole nother level of this this discussion like who can be alone and who can't Sure. Who needs to be codependent? Yep. Yes. Like they For have sure. to have someone around or they don't feel whole. For sure.
3: And when I put that in the run in the topics, I guess I should have thought about what show I was on, because we're all in agreement with this. <laughs> but I think your average person is like, oh, still. No.
1: No, I, no. I, I actually I, I I think Adam is right and that it might be split down a certain age. It's generational. It's generational, that's a good way yeah. to say it. <laughs> Number three, which brings us to another one of these topics with changing times, right? We were talking earlier about um, attendance at college basketball games around the Mountain West Conference. Like things just change. People get used to watching games on TV and they're like parking the food, you know, the weather, the late start time. I got to work like there's a lot of excuses now as to why people don't go out to games. And some events are a lot more lightly attended versus what they used to be, which brings us to the New York mayor, Eric Adams. Who apparently is just really annoyed. I think he's got an agenda here. But he said the other day about remote work. He's denouncing working, you know, at home remote from an office. Quote, you can't stay home all day in your pajamas. He says humans are social creatures. Nah, Nah, you're you're wrong on this, bro. I'm not saying that some humans. Our social greed. There are there are some, well, but this whole. But you know what his agenda here
2: is. There is a huge agenda, absolutely. obviously. especially in a, in a place like that, right? Because, like, when there is transformative things like the pandemic was in society, these things happen. It's not always a pandemic; it could be many different things. But there are things that change since society forever, and this absolutely did. There is, there is almost zero reason for most people to work in an office. And we learned that. Yep. And all of a sudden, in a place like New York, where he's the mayor, you could have hundreds of buildings empty
1: from people not needing to have offices That's anymore. the agenda. And what's the most valuable thing in New York? Real estate. Real estate. Yeah. And how many rich families, I don't want to go to all these shows I watch, where you know it was all about real estate fortunes. Sure. They, they are facing all of these buildings being empty because people don't need to go to a central meeting place. And I thought some of the comments on this were interesting. One person said why should work be a primary source of social interaction yeah uh, also why should we spend working all day and is physical presence required for socialization no well, it's not and and for and it, it goes beyond that right like it's not just the real
2: estate which is a, a major factor in this it's if you're not going into the office, if, like all these people live in Jersey and Brooklyn and all these outside places. And yeah. It's not New York. You're right. not going into the city. Now you're not spending money at, at city restaurants. You're not taking the subway like the entire the, yeah, I was system, say, the, the
1: money you bring in right. with mass transit. Yeah. They're not paying tolls. When yep. they no come tolls. In. Oh, my like, God.
2: The amount of money that is that is being lost out in, uh, in that kind the of whole system
1: is built on people moving from right. one place to the other to work. And right. we found out the last two years that some jobs require that most don't
2: yeah and there are certain places you're right you're, there are certain places you're going to have to be in an office you're going to have to meet with people those things are going to have to happen but for most jobs there is almost zero reason to ever go to an office again and we've learned that and we've learned the technology is there and yeah it zoom zoom sucks it does like it's not anywhere close to actually being around people but it's functional yeah. like and, and you can you can get your job done that way uh i i think that he absolutely and and listen i, I don't blame him like, he represents businesses and people and everything else, too, and he he doesn't want the city to completely fall apart because nobody goes into offices anymore. But that's what they're facing, and we need to figure something out. And by the way, it's conventions. Like, who yeah. needs those anymore? And now, you know, like now as a city, we're like, wait a minute, we need to get people coming back to conventions. So, like, I think that there is something to be said about getting people back to doing those things, but they are not necessary.
1: Number two. Well, it turns out it looks like you have, Broken up a social interaction. Did no. you break up a, a potential marriage? No. You uh, you got this John Jones video for Metro, whatever that deal was, a domestic violence issue, where he got into it with Metro and he's headbutting the car and throwing out racial slurs. And did you get a message from John Jones? No. Uh,
2: it was a the the classic John Jones tweet and delete.
1: Oh, he tweeted at you and then deleted. No, he
2: didn't he didn't tweet at me. Just he, in general. He basically said so. It's been a long process of trying to get the video and everybody remembers there was a domestic violence arrest. Uh, charges were eventually dropped because uh, his fiance didn't want to testify against him. Uh, back in September, a video finally came out yesterday of that interaction with police that he had, where he, including headbutting a police officer, or excuse me, a car, a police car, indenting uh, the hood of it um, and using a lot of slurs and calling an officer, officer nerd, which to be fair is funny, but not acceptable and obviously not respectful. Um, that video finally came out yesterday John Jones did not comment yesterday I was I was monitoring his Twitter constantly because I didn't I wanted to see if he was gonna lash out as he usually does I did receive a message through some intermediaries that he wasn't happy uh but then yet this morning he tweets out uh something to the effect of my fiance left me two months ago all you haters could be happy and now today she has made it official essentially insinuating Hey, this video was the last straw. She said she's not coming back to me now, and then he immediately deleted the tweet, which he always does. Uh, for those that don't follow John Jones' career, that's what he does. He tweets things and then deletes them, but make sure that people get screenshots. So, yeah, he has said um, she left him, and now because the video surfaced, she has made it official. She's not coming
1: back to him. You're a very you are a very caring person and a deep thinker. It doesn't sound like it on the air. Like you will, True. you can get yourself going in a circle. Do you feel bad? No. I hope not
2: because I mean this guy's got guy, to guy's
1: gotta take. I mean that is to me that that's evil is putting your pain on someone else. Sure. Dude, take ownership of your actions.
2: Right, she left because you were f- consistently abusive, allegedly in several different situations. Um, also, she saw your behavior when you're intoxicated and you clearly don't want to get help, which you said time and time again. So um, that's why she left. And and I, I mean, I think on some level it's not you know I I don't think there's a direct correlation anyway but if seeing the video is what it took her to finally make the decision to make that official then I guess that's good that she got out of a bad situation um but that certainly wasn't the intent of it and and I don't I don't think it's the video's fault I think it was you know her coming to a decision that it was best for her and her children because by the way for the story that those that don't know her kids are the one, one of her daughters, and John's daughter uh, is the one that asked Caesars to call police yeah. because they saw John hit her, yep. allegedly,
1: in the room. Uh, so, yeah, it was not a good situation. If I were you, I would not pay one second of mine to it because I also don't even believe what he's saying, that the sure. video was the final trigger. Come on, John.
0: It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570 9000. Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. And another safety going on. He He threw him
3: out. out. Dan Hurley is gone. The second tee, and he's been ejected from this game.
1: So, yeah, that was from the UConn-Villanova game last night. I still don't know all the circumstances on that one. People flipped out because uh, Danny Hurley got ejected after a second Tech, and in the small clip that I saw, he was getting the crowd behind the bench all fired up, but I don't know how close it was to the first Tech, and if it was close to the first Tech, then you are kind of being a little disrespectful and a, and a smart ass. But, I, again, I don't know how close they were. Um, now – Guys shouldn't be getting technical fouls based on their history. It's all in the moment, right? But Danny Hurley is kind of a jackass when he coaches at times. (laughs) Like, he almost got into a fight uh, at Creighton because someone in the crowd said something to him, and he's like, I'm not going to back down. Like, bro, back down. Yeah. Okay? Sometimes. Like, again, I I know you don't – your thing on Jawan Howard is there there were other things that went into it. The other side gets some blame as well. But in the heat of the moment, when you're a mentor, when you're a coach, when you're a teacher, you got to be better. And, you know, you and I comparing ourselves to them, like we're not them. Or Joe Blow out there, you're not them. When right. you sign up for the job, there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes with it. Um, but, the, you know, then there, there is the other side of it, which is if he was tacked up because the, you know, the official's kind of butthurt and feels disrespected, and it's not really the case. Um, and, by the way, the, the end of the game ended – on a Villanova play coming down the floor and Colin Gillespie got called for a charge and it was another one of those where the player didn't have position and the player was falling down before the contact. The the defensive player is just throwing himself to the ground and it's like, you know, you've mentioned the rule should be there, there are no charges. If you want to barrel into someone, good luck finishing Colin Gillespie, but he probably couldn't even have got the shot up, but at least let him try. And you don't reward a guy who's not really playing defense and he's just falling down.
2: Yeah, I mean... Listen, we could do hours and hours. and and we do it every day. Well, the funny thing is,
1: uh, you know, the big lead, which is a good blog, did a whole story on it. I I swear to God, I was waiting for the person to be like, you know, and no one's talking about this. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because that's another – that is a catchphrase that is – I heard um, former wide receiver at Michigan, Braylon Edwards, was doing a podcast, and he kept saying, like, no one's talking about what Wisconsin was doing. Like, everyone has been talking about that. Actually, no. Well, well, I know – you had sure so when someone goes on any airwaves a podcast and says like i've got an original idea that no one like stop right uh, it usually means
2: you know everybody most people are taking the other side it's never everyone it's never 100% for sure uh, but you know as you said we've been talking about it because i thought it was very important to make, to point out that there was a lot of fault on the other side. And people people act like Juwan Howard, out of nowhere, just decided to go punch somebody. First of all, he didn't punch anybody. Second of all, there was a whole lot on the other side. But you're right. I mean, for the most part, there's never a case where nobody is talking about one side of the issue. Like, There's usually some people out there at least mentioning it. And we've been talking block charge and officiating college basketball forever because I think it is maybe the most important thing in the game.
1: It's a fine line. Yeah. It is. You know, and I know the, the official's job is not easy. No. Like, last, I actually, I thought the game last night between UNLV and Reno, I thought was played at a super aggressive physical level. There was a lot of contact, but they were consistent. Yeah. And they kind of kept their beaks out of the game. They, you guys settle it. Yeah. Uh, th- yes. And when it came down to it physically, UNLV nutted up and, and tired out Reno. And, you know, they, they wanted to go big. UNLV is a little bit smaller. Let's go. In a way, that's deciding the game, too, though. By not calling it. Right. Because you could become accustomed to games being called a certain way. I actually, if you go back to the UNLV victory against Colorado State, really both of them, David Roddy did not get the calls that he is accustomed to. Right. Right. So now all of a sudden, you know, it's it's like you're hurting David Roddy, but you're actually I think you're calling a good game. Let's let's settle on the floor. No well, cheapies. If, yeah,
2: and if you have a team that is like is built on speed and they're playing a physical team and the referees decide they're not gonna call anything. Hey, we're staying out of the game. We're not gonna call right. anything. You are deciding the game then. Like that the, you just have to be consistent, make the same calls all the time. That's how you officiate a game. That's the proper way to do it
0: cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on espn las vegas now we're gonna tell them to not man up and walk down a line on somebody who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous so if the president said it i think he's full of it if the best coach in america said it that gets me way more than this incident (laughs) From the Battleborne Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company.
1: That's Tom Izzo talking about the uh, handshake line discussion of the last couple of days. We're uh, hot and heavy right now with college basketball. We got tournament weeks coming up here in Vegas. Mountain West Conference Tournament has been in town the longest, 19th year to be uh, held in Vegas. It's going to be March 6th to the 12th. You can get your tickets at... UNLVTickets.com, And right now, I mean, the, the tournament's going to be extremely deep on the men's side. You got seven teams inside the top hundred in the net. Uh, one of the favorites going into the tournament because well, they're, they're always a threat to win the thing. And they've won so many of these is San Diego state and Brian Dutcher is nice enough to join Steve and Adam here in Vegas coach. How you doing?
4: Great guy. Thanks for having me
1: on. Well, we appreciate it coming on today. Cause uh, you know, the day after uh You know, a a gritty game like last night is not easy to come on and speak. So, again, we appreciate it. So, give me your take now, um, you know, less than 24 hours removed from the game at Boise State.
4: The heartbreak. I mean, we had two free throws up one with seven seconds to go. The guy you'd want on the line, Matt Bradley, I think he's shooting close to 80 percent, missed them both. Uh, Boise went length of the floor without a timeout, and we fouled them. And they made two free throws to beat us. So, that's the Mountain West. It's a a fan's delight and a a coach's dilemma. Every game is going to be competitive.
2: (laughs) Coach, I was wondering about that with a guy like Matt. I mean, I'm I'm sure it varies from guy to guy, but do you talk to him after that, or do you say, hey, you know he's going to make it next time, you just let him kind of deal with it? How do you kind of approach that?
4: Uh, I've been in this for so long, guys, and and I remember 1988-89 when I was at Michigan with Coach Fisher. We had Ramil Robinson on the team, and he missed two free throws at Wisconsin that could have won the game. And he went in, he worked hard uh, for the rest of the year, said it would never happen again, and then he made two against Seton Hall to win us the national championship. So I shared that story. Now, whether we're fortunate enough to ever be in that position, uh, just to relate to him that it's happened to other great players in the past, and it's what you do from here that matters, not what happened last night.
1: You want to talk about what Bradley's done for you this year because he was a really good player at Cal. I'm not sure that he played San Diego State style defense. He's had to adjust his game a bit and he's still been very productive on the offensive end.
4: He's been so good on defense. I'm, I'm actually surprised. I thought it would take him longer but he is a lockdown on ball defender and so that's really helped us and then he scores a ball on an elite level and The thing that he does that great players do, when he draws a double team, he finds the open man. He's a very good passer. And that's kind of what happened the last play of the game when we were down one. We ran a play for him. They overhelped, and he found Nathan Mensah for a lob dunk. And the play before that, he threw a skip pass to Chad Baker for a three. And so uh, he can score the ball, but his playmaking is really good, too.
1: Yeah, Baker's been another one of those guys. Uh, You knew Bradley was really good, but... We figured with uh, Baker Mazzara, you know, it might take him a little while, but he plays pretty good defense. And he's, he's kind of a unique player for you guys in terms of his offensive skill set.
4: Yeah, he, uh, he's got instincts that a coach can't give a player. And so he knows where his teammates are. Uh, against Utah State last week, he hit three one-dribble pull-ups. And then against Fresno, he hit four threes. And so he's dangerous at the offensive end. You know, uh, for a, a, a second-year freshman – I think he's going to be a very good player for us.
1: And he's one of those guys who also brings kind of an edge to the floor. Now, we got a technical against UNLV down there. Um, got Kind of got caught in the wrong spot at the, at the wrong time uh, in some action against Keyshawn Gilbert. But uh, do you like that? Do you like you know kind of having guys who walk that emotional line?
4: Yeah, well, they said – someone told me he's from the Dominican, and that's how kind of – how Dominicans are. They're emotional, they're fiery, and, you know, we got uh, – uh, we've got some good tatis. we got some good uh, baseball players in San Diego that play yeah. emotional. So if Chad plays emotional. He's got to make sure those are under control emotions and not something that costs our team. Brian
1: Dutcher's was head coach of San Diego State. Of course, uh, the Aztecs will be coming to town as part of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. The men's side goes from March 9th to the 12th, and things are really heating up locally here with uh, UNLV. And I wanted to talk about the UNLV matchup. Um, well, you know what? Let's get right to it because i, I got to tell you, of – You've seen how you know how good Bryce Hamilton has, be, has been, and there's really there's very few players in a league that have stayed in front of him. You guys have a guy, and if you told people around the country that this guy has stayed in front of Bryce Hamilton, I think they'd be amazed. I could not believe the amount of switching you did, where Mensa got caught on an island against Bryce Hamilton and never switched back, and Bryce could not get around your six eleven center.
4: Yeah, well, Nathan, we've switched Nathan for four years on ball screens, and he has really good feet and really good length. And so even if they get by him, it's usually a contested shot. And I remember, our I mean, our times playing Vegas were crazy. The first time we played them, you know, we had a couple guards out. It was a early game for both of us. And, and it wasn't a great game. We were fortunate to win the second game. We got ahead, and I remember late in the game, Bryce hit a three, and I, I took a timeout. I just told the guy, you don't understand what could happen. He's <laughs> capable of scoring 30 in 10 minutes. If you let him get going, we're going to have a problem. And and even though we were up maybe twelve or fourteen at the time, uh, I knew what could happen, and and I let the guys know I wasn't very happy that we gave him a look because I know what a dynamic player Bryce is.
2: Because we talk about we talk about some of the guys, you know, whether they're four and five year guys that uh, that develop with you or whether they whether they transfer in, all of them seem to have that same mentality, that defensive focus, uh, that ability to buy into what you guys do. I guess how important is it to just build a culture and guys will embrace that culture when they get there and how much of it is just finding guys that, you know, that, you know, will be able to assimilate.
4: Well, we kind of tell them up front, if you come here, you have to guard. I'll <laughs> let you play free on offense, but you have to guard to get on the floor. And so when they get here and if they don't play, cause I don't feel they're guarding. It's like, this is what you were told when you came here. This is not yeah. a surprise. <laughs> and you said you wanted to guard. You wanted to be better that you wanted to win. And so uh, we've been able to build that culture because we let them know before they get here. It's not like, well, you came here, you're a great offensive player. Now you've got to play defense. We've kind of set our culture that way. And I just tell them there are games where we're not going to make shots. How do we win those games? How are we going to stay close enough in the games where nothing goes in, even though we're open? And it's with defense and rebound. And that's kind of what we've done over our, what, now I'm in the league, what, 22, 23 years.
1: Well, speaking of that, you've been in the league for a long time. I I'm sure you've you know you've had people kick the tires on uh, the Brian Dutcher mobile to maybe go back to the Midwest. Why have you stayed loyal to the Pacific Time Zone in San Diego State?
4: Well, I lived 39 years in the snow, guys, and I don't have any <laughs> desire to go back to it. You know, <laughs> I'm spoiled. I, I my blood's thin now. I it was Boise. I wanted I couldn't get out of Boise fast enough. So <laughs> yeah. I like the San Diego Sun. I like. The fact that I think we've turned this job—when we got here, it wasn't a very good job—but they had just built Viejas Arena. Coach Fisher did a good job building the culture of the program, and now I think it's one of the better jobs, if not the best job in the Mountain West. And so, it's hard to lead the best job in your conference.
1: So, for you guys, based on what you've seen so far in terms of results, the toughest matchups in the conference—would you say Boise? Would it be Colorado State? Like, who who gives you the biggest challenge?
4: Well. Obviously, Boise, uh, Boise is, reminds me of a San Diego State team. And that's not to say they're not Boise, but right. they guard at a high level. They got length, they got athleticism, and they're hard to score against. And then all of a sudden, you start adding fifth year seniors, transfers, older guys, and they got a very good team. Now, we've not seen Wyoming yet. Uh, we're only going to play them one time, and that's on Monday. So, Colorado State, we've seen, they're dangerous offensively. Obviously, their metrics defensively aren't quite as good as what Boise is. So it's interesting to see all the different teams in this league and how they go about things.
1: Brian Dutcher with this Last couple of questions for uh, the coach of San Diego State as we're getting ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament here, March 6th to the 12th. The men go March 9th to the 12th. It's at the Thomas and Mac. You can get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. So we played some Tom Izzo sound coming in about the whole handshake line thing. Where do you stand on this? Do we need to get rid of the handshake? Well, what's the deal?
4: It's interesting. My dad was a longtime college coach at the University of Minnesota. Jim Dutcher, and he says to me, "I don't know why colleges shake hands. They should be more like the pros, just wave at each other and leave the floor." You know, I don't mind shaking hands because at sixty-two, you know, if I get beat, I'd shake my hand. I'll I'll tip my hat to the other guy and and his kids because they played hard and they won that night. So, but I can understand sometimes you know emotions run too high and. Guys got to be able to curb their emotion, shake hands, uh, wish the other guy well, and move on. And so I don't know. If, if if it creates problems, then I'm like, why are we doing it? During COVID, sometimes we didn't shake hands. We just waved, and I don't think anybody was affected either way during that.
1: What do you feel for Jawan Howard?
4: I feel awful for Jawan Howard. I, I recruited him to Michigan. Uh, he's an ultimate competitor. I am obviously read his quotes. I texted him how badly I felt, and he stepped up, admitted that he had made a mistake that uh, wouldn't happen again, that uh, he would learn from it, and I think we have to take him at his word. And I've known Juwan his entire life since he was a high school junior, and I've got great respect for him, and and I think uh, whatever mistakes he made, uh, he will correct, and he will be better because of it.
1: Coach, we appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the way in the season, and we'll see you here in
4: Vegas. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Next coach, there he is, Brian Dutcher, head coach of San Diego State. Lot on so I, I still say assistant coach at Michigan. Um, so I remember. Okay, That's so he always remember. So he used his dad in the conversation, but he sounds like he doesn't care either way. He'd be fine if it, if they sounded. He's more on the side. He'd be fine if they got rid of it. Yeah, I mean, I think they should anyway. I mean, they, I know, I know. Like uh, he said
2: it as he pointed out. Remember, we just talked about how we learned about offices. Like, we learned we don't need offices yeah. from COVID. Did the world end when there wasn't handshake like to, lines? To Tommy
1: Izzo's point, like, it's some kind of proven ground that you can be mature and cool down quickly. No, it's not.
2: No. And by the way, it, it, he was talking about kids. Greg Gard grabbed one. That's the coaches.
1: And and by the way, it act, I think of all the cases, most of them, it starts with the coaches. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, Leon Rice and Ryan Odom in conference, Utah State and Boise. Brian Odom got into it with Randy Bennett from St. Mary's. I mean, we didn't get to it with Brian Dutcher, but, I mean, they had a game a couple of years ago, you know, the, the Fisher, right, the split of the San Diego State staff with some of the guys remaining. Dutcher was coach and waiting and then Justin Hudson landing at Fresno in the conference and taking, you know, one of their former players, Shelton, with him. They've had a couple of games where, like, it, it could have gone down. There was a lot of talk. Sure. Yeah. And, it, again, it's like the, the Tom Izzo
2: of, hey, we're teaching these kids maturity. Like, it's you!
1: By the way, they I don't, did they get into the handshake line or it started before? You know, one of the things people have forgotten this season about the Running Rebels campaign, the Wichita game. Oh, yeah. Where the almost got into it. Oh, yeah. Where there was a Wichita assistant who was celebrating a little too exuberantly, and I think – I think Tyson Waterman. I think – It was Tyson Waterman. Yeah, one of the recruits. <laughs> I think Carlin Hartman. Yeah. Had something to say. By the way, if Carlin saying something, I would listen because I still every time I see him, I'm like, basketball lean or I left st- tackle. <laughs> I still
2: insist that Carlin should have not. Uh, uh, I have, I did say I have a family connection to Tyson, so I, I'm, I hope glad he didn't get hurt. But I, he could have, he could have thrown down too. He's, he's a big. Fan. Oh no, he's not a little guy. Uh, but I, Carlin should have massacred all three referees in that game.
1: Yeah, that's one of those calls you look back at that could have been. Let's play on. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes. Rebels could have defended better. Sure. But they also but that, but that, then, have, that was a winnable game and you know that not I, I don't know that they're gonna be uh you know, even if they made the finals of the Mountain West Conference tournament that they'll be in the mix for an at large, but the loss to Wichita turned to a win, that could help. They caught if, a if they got on a big run. Caught a Very,
2: very, very, very questionable call that sent Wichita to the line to take the lead. And then there was a very, very, very questionable contact coming back. No call. That probably shouldn't be a call, but if you made one call, you have to make the other. You can't call one and not the other. That's the only way you can mess that up, and the referee's did.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag
2: Don't touch it. Don't even
3: look at it. Only
0: on ESPN Las Vegas. Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Las Vegas.
3: Stick your hand in there, Dave.
1: Ari just said on our uh, communication system that he liked Brian Dutcher's answer about the handshake line versus Tom Izzo. What's mm-hmm. the problem with Izzo? Oh,
3: First of all, the whole he's just got this tone about him the old man you know shaking his hand at the fist i'm sorry fist at the sun then dutcher comes on who i'm guessing is similarly aged and has like a very reasonable answer also some of the stuff i edited out of the izzo cut that we heard earlier he was going on about basically coddling kids and you know that kind of stuff so i i immediately was not a fan
1: you know the i mean i respect the guy as a legendary coach but Tom Izzo is kind of one of the guys who's out of control oftentimes. Oh, yeah. So it's it kind of goes back to that thing I've said for years and years and years. You have certain coaches who preach discipline and self-control. And, I mean, Bobby Knight was a leader of that, and then they're out of control. You know, it's funny. I doubt anyone. <laughs> I just happened to notice it, and it turned out to be really good timing, and I don't know how many people read it. But uh, Greg Hansen, who's been a longtime writer at, I think it's the Tucson uh, whatever it's called, um, wrote a story centered around Bobby Hurley being out of control on the sideline, and he said coach's decorum is getting worse. And he actually he chronicled the guys who were standers, right, who stand for 40 minutes. Now, part of it was Hurley is an out-of-control jackass at times. Tommy Lloyd, the new Arizona coach, who's highly successful his first year, like sits the whole game. Yeah, But you do see a lot of co- – Brian Dutcher is one of them. Leon Rice is certainly one of them. Kevin Krueger stands the whole game. Now, Kevin has some conversations with officials. Uh, that's that's not, I keep using the word fine line. That's another one as a coach. I don't know what you do. If you just sit there, don't you feel like, as the other coach, is just uh, like over and over and over again busting the horns of the officials? That like, okay, I got to stand up. Like, I got to fight for my guys.
2: Sure. But also, I mean, on a somewhat related but unrelated note, like one of Bobby Knight's top guys, who's one of his closest allies still, just trashing Jawan Howard and saying he should be fired is comical, absolutely comical. And who was that? The the self search Twitter guy.
1: Oh, Dachick. Yeah, he was. He was Jawan Howard out
2: of control on the sidelines.
1: Okay, who's been? Meanwhile, he's been out of control on the air. Of
3: course. Did he call him a thug? I have to know.
1: I don't um, think I, so. I, I, I all of us are assuming that that's the backdrop <laughs> of, course, of this whole thing. Of course. What's well, also, he's mad at Michigan; they didn't think
2: he, he didn't think he treated right or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. So he's got an axe to grind. It's just it's completely mm. ridiculous. So much
1: objectivity, and yet, yeah, uh, of course, so many agendas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Adam. During the break, was like I have to steal grab bag. So what is it?
2: Was well, I mean, it's not that big. I just wanted to ask you if you knew what Avenel and uh there's Oh, Avenel and Westwood, New Jersey had in common. No, there are now only four Kmart's left in America. I didn't
1: even know there were four left. Two of them are in New Jersey. Oh, we're we're going back towards the beginning of uh, June. Avonel might have to hit a Kmart. Uh, down to four. There was twenty
2: four hundred stores in the nineties. It you there's a I was actually reading a story yesterday. It, it used to be an institution in america obviously yeah. kmart they expanded their brands they had like Payless shoes and a whole bunch of other places borders i think was under uh their sports authority also was one of their one of their products uh now down to four stores in america which is crazy but two are new jersey which i thought was kind of stunning uh one's in miami one's in long island so three kind of bunched up in that area and then one where everybody from there moves to so i guess it makes some sense uh, there's a wawa right there oh and avenue there you go avenue not necessarily your area but definitely closer than
1: westwood it's closer but uh i worked for a newspaper in in that area i covered a bunch okay. of high school sports for like three years sure so it's sad though kmart was um, huge it's very sad you know now that it yeah, right by colonia uh now that it's mostly gone i kind of feel like i missed out I missed out on an opportunity but plenty of, plenty of good times there well they, they, plenty they, of good times.
2: the story actually talked about like the how blue light special became like a and actually yep. a pop culture thing. It was. Yep. And you would go to Kmart and just wait for them. To, I don't and, know and about there's this. There's a blue light special. Right. And like some some section of the store and right. people would run there and try to get this special. 42 cent
1: tampons, ladies. <laughs> I had no idea about that. Sure. It's interesting. I actually, um, I did hit one of the Kmarts here when they were closing for several clearance items. Of course you um, I have some nice loafers. And I bought, <laughs> I bought some shorts, but uh-huh. I didn't try them on but they were kind of like old man because this is going to – it should sound like it's stylish, but it wasn't. I put them on, and I was like, wow, these are short. <laughs> so I will wear them for you village, during the summer. It, it is, it is uh, mid-thigh. Cargo. <laughs> no, not cargo no, at all. No, no I, oh. I tried to buy them because I was like, oh, I always get yelled at by the SO and then Taylor Byrne, who is you know now living in Prague – uh, about my cargo shorts so i was like i'm not going to go cargo and i didn't try them on and i when i pulled them up i was like whoa all right <laughs> please don't this me. is what i'm like they're the kind of shorts that i uh, that i have a file to show you a photo i have a photo when i was like 11 and uh were they, and, were they like the arash shorts at that uh magic johnson the show? very very <laughs> yeah yeah well did arash or wait now we're going to talk shorts here did arash have short shorts or like umbros was it? Because McKinnell's the one who had umbros. Oh, was McKinnell. Okay. McKinnell. was wearing umbros to a basketball camp with Chris yeah, Weber. That's what like, it was. You're not good at either one of those sports. Get At least get basketball shorts, you dumbass. The, no, like, really... like early 80s, the, the shorts were short. And I not only matched as like a 12-year-old the, the short shorts, but also the socks pulled up over the kneecap. Oh, nice. Long it's white look. socks, yeah. It's good look. Could lengthen me out a little bit. I look tall. I doubt it. I, I think I worked. might have been the same height then, probably, than I am now. And I, I was going to say slightly, bigger, but I slightly, was definitely skinnier, slightly heavier. Oh yeah. no, I was a little skinnier back then. Stick your hand in there, Dave. No, that was good. I'm glad you got that in there. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady, part of a project called "80 for Brady." <laughs> Did you read up on this or not? I saw he's going to be into movies. That's ridiculous. Well, that's not the story. Okay. He's collaborating on a film. It's going to be based on four dudes going to the Super Bowl in the 2016-17 season. Football hangover? 80 for Brady. Says he's teaming... this is weird. He's teaming up with Hollywood legends... I figured there were guys who were the friend. What's going on here?
2: Is Sean Payton in it, so Kevin oh James God. can reprise in, his role? He's
1: doing like a like a Frankie and Grace, Grace and Frankie on this. What? Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Sally this Field, so- and Lily Tomlin? I'm not watching. Are in this? I'm not watching. I'm not- I watched Kevin James play Sean Payton, so and awesome. I love Jane Fonda.
4: I'm in, baby. I'm in.